Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And listen to me. This is the Fantasy Football Best Friends Forever show. Start listening to us or suffer the consequences. And with that, we welcome you inside of Studio 34. This is the BFS. He is Frank Stanfield. I am Greg Sussman. What's happening, Frank? Greg, happy hump day to you here on a Wednesday. Ready to talk some baseball. You do this every day of the season? Yeah, why not? It's annoying. How was your birthday, Greg? How'd you sleep? Birthday was good, man. Slept well. Happy. I was very, very happy. All good stuff, man. How was Hamilton? Hamilton was awesome. You're not a Broadway guy, and you probably like this, you know, knows like that to be like Broadway. Um, but it was great, man. I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never done that to you. It was a blast. It was a blast. Yeah. Was that your first time seeing it? Your fifth time seeing it? It was my second time seeing All it. Right. It was Judy's first time seeing it. How did Judy enjoy it then? She loved I it. I care more about her reaction than yours. She loved it. It was great. Nice. It was really awesome. I've been to one. No, I've been to more than one Broadway show. I went to see Cats when I was younger. Sure. And I saw Cats. Maybe four or five years ago, I saw Of Mice and Men. Of oh, Mice and Men. Why did you see Of Mice and Men? I don't know. Hingo wanted to see it. That's crazy. Yeah. Did you like, the, did you like reading Of Mice and Men? It's an interesting story. Yeah, for sure. of course. Absolutely. Yeah. I just never would think you'd want to see it on Broadway. It was pretty cool. All right. I'm cultured, Greg. I could do this. You learn something new every day. Maybe you get me a fancy sweater like that, too. Maybe. You know where I got I'll it. Tie it, tie, tie it around you the... You know where I got it. Tie it around my neck. Uniclaw. <laughs> I go to my man. Can we get sponsored by them? We should. All sick. right. Uh, we'll take a break. Because right now, it's time for the update from Sean Guastavacchia. Sports Grid. News Update. I'm Sean Guasamacchia with your BFFs news update. All right, NFL news. The NFL has reinstated defensive end Miles Garrett. This two days after meeting with Commissioner Roger Goodell. Remember, Garrett was suspended indefinitely after ripping the helmet off of Steelers quarterback Mason Rudolph. That was on November the 14th. Miles Garrett back in the NFL. All right, some Major League Baseball trade news. The Pirates have added outfielder Jared Dyson. Dyson agrees to a one-year deal. He played last year with the Arizona Diamondbacks, hitting 237 home runs and 27 RBIs in 100 
130 games. Also, some MLB news. Cameron Mabin signs a one-year, $1.5 million deal with the Detroit Tigers. He is back in Motown. He played last year with the Yankees, hitting 11 home runs. And one other piece of MLB news, the Red Sox new interim manager, Ron Renneke, has tabbed Brandon Workman as the Red Sox closer. All right, let's get to some uh, NBA here. Uh, headline tonight, there's a, a lot of games on the docket, but let's headline some of the key ones. Uh, Toronto Raptors, 15-game winning streak on the line. They are at the Brooklyn Nets. The Raptors, three-and-a-half-point favorites, 223-and-a-half, your total in that one. A couple of really good late-night games. Portland Trailblazers at the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies, three-and-a-half-point favorites, 234-and-a-half, your total in that one. Also later tonight, the Miami Heat on the road at the Utah Jazz. Jazz, four-and-a-half-point favorites, 216, your total. And at 10.10 p.m. Eastern time, the last game tonight in the NBA, the Los Angeles Lakers on the road at the Denver Nuggets. Lakers, two-and-a-half-point favorites in that one, 220 your total. All right, that's your BFF's news update. Let's get it back to Greg and Frank. Guys, take it away. Sean, great updates there, and even more updates coming through with the White Sox opening camp today, Frank. We've got a lot going on, and we just had this that came out out of White Sox camp saying, Scott Merkin saying, Giolito, Lucas Giolito, has soreness in his rib cage and also has a chest muscle strain. So for anyone out there, you're going to play any sports, you're going to do any physical activity, make sure you stretch before you do so. You don't want to wind up like Lucas Giolito, Greg. Lucas Giolito, someone who broke out last year being drafted in that third, fourth round range this upcoming season as a borderline SP1, high-end SP2. Not what you want to see on day one. No, very bad job uh, for the fact that Lucas Giolito has a strained rib cage uh, muscle, a strained chest muscle or whatnot. Uh, I don't know what that means. It sounds like a baseball injury where it doesn't really me much but we'll say like these little injuries in february should mean nothing and then all of a sudden in the middle of march you're like oh god and then it's april your pitcher hasn't pitched and the next thing you know it's the all-star break and he still hasn't pitched yeah and that might be the case for another injury that we saw come out earlier today greg and that was from cole hamels who apparently has been shut down with a shoulder injury he suffered a shoulder injury late last season as well. He also dealt with an oblique injury that derailed him for about a month or two last season. He was pitching really well, if you remember, last year before that injury, Greg, basically going into the month of July. And then when he returned, we really saw that the injury kind of derailed his season. The ERA up around six in his final 10 starts. Uh, couldn't get as many strikeouts. The whip was up. The walks were up. Uh, and now it seems like Cole Hamels is not going to be ready for opening day either. Which sucks because he was actually somebody I was targeting later on in drafts right now. All right, so Cole Hamels is always your guy. He used to be my guy. Then he got old. He wasn't my guy anymore. But Cole, I love oldies, Craigie. Now, why do you think I love you, man? 53 years old. He convinced, he, Frank actually convinced people. <laughs> this, is, this is the people that I work with. This is a joke. Right? No, 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 no. It's not the people you work with. This is the influence that I have, Greg. It's not that they're gullible. It's that I'm so convincing. So I get off the air yesterday at the Meadowlands. And Brian, who works there, is like, dude, you look really good for 53. And I'm like, what? You look really good for 53? I'm like, I'm not 53. And Will, another of our fine producers who work primarily at the Fine Lance, producer. Love the guy. Window Will. He goes, Brian, you're an idiot. He's 43. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? I go, Will. I'm not 43 either. You're not? That's what Frank said. I go, why do you listen to him? 
I go, uh, Brian's like, oh man, like I thought you were like much closer to thirty. I go, I am. I'm thirty-two. Are you really thirty-two? Yes. Why are you lying to the people, Greg? We are here to be honest to the viewers, the watchers, the listeners. They come here for fantasy advice. They want our opinions. They also want us to be honest, Greg. I am an honest guy. And that's why I tell the listeners the truth. You don't. You lie. You are 53 years old, Greg. You're a liar. You look great for 53. I look great for 32, Frank. Your age is the same amount of home runs that Pete Alonso hit last season. I had Carmine's for dinner last night. What's that? Sounds like something I'd like. Oh, you would love Carmine's. Whoa, 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 whoa. Carmine's is close. We go to a fancy lunch at Carmine's. So Carmine's is... Mike Cardano, we're expensing it. <laughs> Carmine's is on 44th Street and 8th. So not that far away from where we are right now. It is family, it's like a touristy place, like right where people go to see a Broadway show and eat Italian food. Is this the Times Square NYC location? Yes, yes. Right. So it's a very touristy place. It's massive, right? The prices are really expensive. Because ah. Everything's because, hold on. I don't like that. Because everything's family style. I like that. So for instance, yesterday, Judy and I got uh, a pasta, some meatballs. Eh. You're more of the meatball guy. You don't like meatballs or pasta? No, I, li- I like meatballs. Uh, Greg. Come on, you know you're talking to. So we've seen this stomach. So we got. Of course, I love. So pasta. basically, we got like shrimp, garlic, and shrimp with like linguine, garlic, and oil. Some meatballs. <laughs> what? Man, you guys must have been so stinky during the Broadway show. Yeah, we went after the show. All right, that's all right then. We went after the show. Right. So you definitely had a, oh, we stunk. We stunk. Yeah, of the, yeah. We stunk of our apartment. I want to say, yeah, say yeah you had a real stinky night in the Sussman household. We stunk up in our apartment last night. That's I was for like, sure. dude, you ate a bunch of garlic and then went to a gar- to a yeah. Broadway show. So we got that. Uh, we, we, and then we ate some stuff artichoke. But so it was expensive. But we have at least two more meals out of it. All right. At least. I'm looking at this already. All right, at least. Look, I've got the meal ready to go here. Talk we, to we're me. looking at penny olive vodka. Oh, it's, it's good. We got a bolognese meat sauce, Greg. Did you just call it bolognese? Uh, whatever it is. Bolognese. Bolognese. Hey. Sean. Chris Venture, we're here. You're Sean, you're the Italian on the show. Yeah, go ahead. Bolognese. You're just, Sean just, uh, Sean, Frank just goes, yeah, I'll get some, some Bolognese. <laughs> Bolognese, yeah. Bolognese. That's exactly how I said Wait, it. Come Bologna? on. Bologna. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, we've got, uh, what else do we got here? Ravioli with cheese? You're oh, way too I'm much. With that. Way too much food, dude. No, no, I'm just saying, like, these are options. These are, those are the top three pasta, pasta options for me. Well, well. I'm not just naming. You're literally just naming pasta. Not, yeah, but I'm naming Penny pasta vodka, that's on Bolognese, the menu. Bolognese. It's not that it's, it's not on. It's not that it's not on the menu. It's on the menu, Greg. I'm naming options that are on the menu that so we are going to get when we go there. So it's a massive thing of pasta. It's like thirty bucks. Oh, and, chicken and cutlet. Like, oh, and it's gonna man. be like, and the bread is the best. Oh my god, Frank. I love. Oh right, yeah, I mean I'm down. Let's go on Cardano. I don't think Car- Car- Cardano years ago. I went out for his birthday there with Nando and Lou. Yeah. All right, so. Why doesn't he take us out for your birthday? <laughs> Maybe over the weekend. Judy's gonna be out all right, Greg, what are we talking about for the rest of the show? All right, on the show today, I want to answer this question. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Last season was the season of the juice ball. We called it the juiced ball era. There are a ton of players that have this power that kind of came out of nowhere. Is the juice worth the squeeze on those players this season? Frank and I will try to let you know the answer to that question when we come back. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. 
Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day. Here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. The Wiz kids had won it. This. What is happening, Sean? We read the comics all the while. This is the convincing nature that I have, Greg. Even without asking Sean Guasamacchia. I'm so convincing. We're talking baseball. I didn't even have to ask him. This is what I do, Greg. Whether it's convincing people of your real age, 53 years old, or having Sean Guasamacchia play We're Talking Baseball. That was a little ESP right there. That was some ESP host it wasn't producer. ESP. You literally said we're talking baseball. But I didn't tell him to play it. We're on the same wavelength. Well, Sean's a great producer, so he's going to hear that and do it. So what do you want him to play? Okay, play a little DMB. I want to hear a little violin. Weehaw! No one wants to hear DMB, Greg. Country music? <laughs> Whatever it is. Like was the only one winning down in Washington. Still going. It's unbelievable. We talk baseball, please. Yeah. We're waiting for you. You're the one that's being a drama queen over there. We don't like we're talking baseball. Come on, man. Do the show. See, now, now he's excited. Now I'm ready to rock. I'm ready to go. This gets me excited. What is it, Scatman? This is one of my favorite songs when I was a kid. I used to run through the house like shirtless. All right, I don't want to hear about you shirtless. Anymore. <laughs> when I was a child. Let me move on, please. <laughs> I want to see Jose Altuve shirtless so I can see the damn buzzer on his. How about shoulder. Gary Sanchez pantless, Greg? I'll work for me too. He's going to the World Series. All right, so last year, Frank, who led the majors in home runs? Well, I wasn't ready for that Quite question, Greg, but I'm pretty sure it was uh, Jorge Soler. That's incorrect. It was Peter Alonso. Peter Alonso. 53 <laughs> home runs last year for the New York Mets. To lead all of baseball it was his rookie year. Alonso was incredible. But power was up all around baseball. And that's why when you're looking at fantasy, you don't care that this guy had 25 home runs because, well, everybody had 25 home runs. Alonso had more than double that, 53. I'm not saying Peter Alonso's power isn't real, but certainly some of these players that Hit for this massive power last year. It wasn't real. But let's start with Alonzo because he did lead the league in home runs. Alonzo burst on the scene in the first half, wins the home run derby. He was fantastic from beginning to end. But when it was all said and done, Alonzo's final line was a 260 average with those 53 homers, over 100 runs scored, over 100 RBI, and he played in every single game of the New York Mets except for one. Frank, are you, where is Peter Alonzo going this year? And are you back in on Alonzo? So Peter Alonzo is currently going with pick 31 in the NFBC ADP in the month of February. So the middle of the third round in a 12-team league and the beginning of the third round in a 15-team league. And we spoke about Alonzo a little bit the other day, Greg. I just feel like you can find a lot of hitters with a similar profile that are going later on in drafts. Now, there's a chance that he, I'm not going to say builds off of this, because I can't expect him to hit more than 53 home runs. Maybe he can, can come close to it again. He's only 25 years old, so anything is possible. And his power in the minors was 100% legit. He had 36 home runs the year before, back in 2018, uh, in two different levels of the minors. But let's deep dive this a little bit more here, Greg. 323 isolated power was fifth in baseball. That's great. 42% hard hit rate. Fine. Very good number. 41.5% fly ball rate. So everything you want out of a power hitter. 30.6% home run to fly ball ratio. Fourth in baseball. All right. 
that's a little high, especially as a rookie. Let's look a little, little bit further. Pete Alonso, 90.6 mile per hour average exit velocity was in the, wait for it, 78th percentile in baseball last season. That ranked 53rd among hitters. So Pete Alonso hits the ball hard. To rank top 55 in baseball in average exit velocity is no small feat. However, with players we're going to talk about later on, specifically like a Jorge Soler, or even someone who's being drafted at a similar value to Pete Alonso, Aaron Judge, those guys were in the top five in average exit velocity last year. Again, Pete Alonso ranked 53rd in all of baseball. All right, let's dig a little bit further here, Greg. Specifically on fly balls and line drives, Pete Alonso averaged 96.5 miles per hour average exit velocity. I will say this, 30.5 home run to fly ball percentage. I already mentioned that. I apologize. <laughs> I Come on, Greg. We're doing the show here. We're doing the show here. His 96.5 mile per hour average exit velocity, 20th in baseball on specifically fly balls and line drives. Again, a very good mark, but not in the same category as a Jorge Soler, an Aaron Judge, even a Fran Mill Reyes, who we'll talk about later on, uh, or a Nelson Cruz. Those guys are, you know, the top five, the top 10. His slugging percentage also dropped in the second half from 634 to 522. And, of course, his expected slugging percentage was lower than his actual slugging percentage as well. I think Pete Alonso is going to be great this year. There's no doubt about it. The problem is you're drafting him based on what he did last season, and we have to project forward. And if you look at the projections that we have below, according to Steamer, they have him projected for about 250 batting average, 44 home runs. That's a great number. But if he's only hitting 44 home runs, driving in 100 gives you nothing in stolen bases and is actually a negative in the batting average department, he's not going to live up to that third-round price tag. And I think you can get players who might give you similar, maybe not 40, 45 home runs, maybe 35 home runs, five rounds later, six rounds later, even seven rounds later. Spoke about Edwin Encarnacion the other day. Greg, I like Pete Alonso, but it's going to be really, really hard for him to replicate what he did last season. Yeah, so I I think... At 24 years old last year, you mentioned all these great stats, Frank, the second half of the year, so much so that I, I called you out and something that you already said. That's how in tune you were here just a moment ago. But when you project forward, you want to believe that a player can get better, theoretically, or just know what you're getting. Do we expect 53 home runs again from Alonzo for the reasons that you mentioned? It's a lot. It's just a lot. Not that he's not going to be awesome. But it seems like a lot and a very high co- at a very high cost, as you said. You bring the home runs down by like 10. It's not nearly as exciting when the average, when over the five, the five traditional hitting categories in a 5x5 five five league, one of them's nothing. The second one, as you said, is a detriment. That means he's a three-category player. And there's a lot. Of three category players mm-hmm. in the third round, if you wind up, let's say, just going with a pitcher, not even selecting another first baseman or something like that, if you just go with a pitcher, you could get two guys later on, as you said, five, six, seven rounds later, that will come close to equaling what Peter Alonso does. I'm not saying he's not awesome, he is, but what he gives you is not exactly special. So, the wrap of the Alonso part of this is Peter Alonso a beneficiary of the juiced ball. I wouldn't say that necessarily. I think that the power is legit, and the power is going to play, and it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he hits 40 home runs this year. But based on his stat cast metrics, his hard hit rates, his average exit velocity, 
he outperformed what was expected to happen. So uh, maybe it helped him a bit, but I'm not going to say that the juice ball made Pete Alonso the player that he is because I still think that he's going to be very good. And again, just to put a bow on this, just look at what Aaron Judge did yep. in his rookie season. Yep. He hit 52 home runs with a 35% home run to fly ball ratio. And his stat cast numbers were even better than Pete Alonso's at the time. And that was without a juice ball. And he only hit 52 home runs. And then the next year we saw that home run to fly ball ratio regress about six and a half percentage points. So it's just natural regression. It's nothing against Pete Alonso. It's just it's going to be hard for him to live up to what he did as a rookie last year, uh, which, look, if we're being honest, was a historical rookie season, Greg. Absolutely. absolutely. It was an unbelievable rookie year for Pete Alonso. Unbelievable rookie season for Aaron Judge before that. Equally in that in year two, as you mentioned with Aaron Judge, just not that simple. But you're saying, Juice Ball, not the reason that Pete Alonso did what he did, what he was able to accomplish. What about the man that had the second most amount of home runs last year in the Major Leagues, Frank? Do you know who that is? Eugenio Suarez? Oh, I guess Jorge Soler again, huh? I do like Jorge Soler. Okay, well, it is a Eugenio Suarez. <laughs> that is correct. The Cincinnati Reds third baseman, we knew he was good. I don't think we knew he was this good. But Suarez was second in the major leagues with 49 home runs last season, 87 runs scored, 103 ribbies. He struck out 28% of the time. The average better than Alonzo's at 271. The on-base percentage, the same as Alonzo's at 358. Played 159 games for the Reds. You won't do that again, Frank. It's certainly starting off the year hurt. You've told me a lot. You're not really in on the Eugenio Suarez this year. Why is that? I just expect a regression here for Eugenio Suarez as well. If you look at you know what he did last year, and he had a phenomenal season, Greg. Again, hitting 49 home runs, Eugenio Suarez was second in baseball. In fact, over the past two seasons, his 83 home runs is second in all of baseball behind only Mike Trout, who has 84 home runs during that span. And over the past two seasons, Suarez has a 47.6% hard hit rate. That is third in all of baseball. So he absolutely mashes. When he gets the bat on the ball, uh, he actually does hit it uh, incredibly, incredibly hard. His hard hit rate was actually higher in 2018 than it was in 2019, yet his home run to fly ball ratio was six percentage points higher in 2019. So something like that, Greg, does stand out to me as being juice ball related. He didn't hit the ball as hard, yet his home run to fly ball ratio was six percentage points higher last season than it was in 2018. That's something that alarms me. And then the expected numbers as well. 271 batting average. His expected batting average, 248. Slugging percentage, 572. Expected slug, 503. I just think with someone like Eugenio Suarez, he's probably going to give you 35 to 40 home runs, 260, 265 batting average. He's obviously going to drive in a lot of runs, hitting in that ballpark, in that lineup, in the Reds lineup. The problem is, you can get exactly that from his teammate, Mike Moussakis, 20 to 30 picks later. The prob- Another problem on top of all this is the fact that he's already dealing with a shoulder injury, Greg. Sure. And we know that shoulders usually sap power, or at least when you first come back from the shoulder injury, it kind of saps your power a little bit. So you have all these things working against uh, Eugenio Suarez, the home run to fly ball ratio doesn't really add up to me. That's something that stands out that might have been due to the juice ball. He's coming back from the shoulder injury. And again, you can get a similar profile from someone that is going later on in drafts. People just see that number, Greg. When you, when you see like 53 home runs, your eyes light up. 49 home runs out of Suarez, your eyes just light up. You don't see that every single day. 
and you won't see it again this season for Eugenio Suarez. Right, Eugenio Suarez, juice ball? Yes. Yes. We the Frank's boy, Jorge Soler, when we come back. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. All right, back here, BFFs. Trying to figure out how the juice is worth the squeeze on today's program. Trying to determine, ultimately, if the juice ball was the reason some of these power hitters had the massive, massive years that they did. We've gone over Peter Alonzo, who led the major leagues in homers last year. We've done Eugenio Suarez. For Alonzo, we said, well, no. He's legit. 53 home runs, a little crazy to try to protect again, but he is legit. Eugenio Suarez, the shoulder injury, Knowing that you can get Mike Moustakis, who had about 10 less home runs than last year, everything else kind of the same, 10 rounds later, all right, we like Moustakis, kind of juice ball related. Now, the player that was third in the majors in home runs last year was Jorge Soler of the Kansas City Royals, a guy that we've been waiting on for a very long time to finally produce at, at a tip-top level. Um, he was a major piece in a trade from Chicago to Kansas City a few years ago. He's been up and down in the majors, didn't really get it going until like June last year where he did. So led the the American, American, led the American League in home runs last year with 48 and 95 runs scored, 117 ribbies on a disgustingly bad Kansas City Royals team. Average was around 265, OEP around 354. Frank, you mind back in on Jorge Soler. Well, first of all, Greg, why don't you tell us how you really feel about the Kansas City Royals? All right, fair enough. Uh, Jorge Soler was not awful, though, on this team. He was uh, utterly ridiculous. 265 batting average, 922 OPS. You mentioned the 48 home runs, 117 RBI. Finally put it all together. We thought that this guy had upside. I don't know that anyone could have imagined him doing anything like this, but uh, speaking of you know doing something that he's never done before, 28% home run to fly ball ratio. Basically, we're trying to figure out, was that legit? Is that something he can come close to repeating once again here in 2020? He did make improvements just in general as a hitter. Lowered the pull rate by 5.5% last year. He upped his distribution of hitting the ball to center field and to opposite field. Going center field, 4% more. Opposite field, about 1.5% more. Career high, 46.7% hard contact. Okay, that's something that might contribute to a career high home run to fly ball ratio. His barrel rate, 16.9%, 7th in all of baseball, 92.6 mile per hour average exit velocity, 10th in all of baseball, that finished in the 96th percentile among qualified hitters. 569 slug, his expected slug, 593. His batting average, 265, expected batting average, 277. His second half, he got even better. He upped the walk rate by 7%, lowered the K rate by 6%. His hard hit rate, listen to this, went from 43%, Greg, to 51.4% in the second half of the season last year, where he really took off. You remember that stretch where you know he hit like, like 
20, 25 home runs in the second half last year, Greg. He also upped, upped his fly ball rate by 3.5% in the second half. He made adjustments. He got better as a player. He hit the ball to all fields more often than he ever did before. He was in that top percentile in average exit velocity and an expected slugging percentage. I'm buying what I'm seeing from Jorge Soler. I know that he really kind of broke out and did something he never did before, but the batted ball data actually backs it up. Whereas someone with like Eugenio Suarez, his home run to fly ball rate went up, yet his hard contact went down from 2018 to 2019. So that doesn't really make sense. What Jorge Soler did last year was he actually made improvements and hit the ball almost as hard as anybody else in baseball. I'm buying what Jorge Soler did last year. Maybe not 48 home runs buying, but I think he can come close to 40 home runs, maybe even exceed 40 home runs once again in 2020. 39 home runs for Jorge Soler against right-handers. Nine home runs for Jorge Soler against left-handers. Last season, as you mentioned, he got better as the season went along. What were the, the batting average splits left? So I, I thought you'd be asking me about that. 267 against righties, 259 against lefties. So not terrible. No. Well, do you have OPS readily available? Or no? I'm sure I can find it in just a moment, Frank. But doesn't that almost make you feel better? That yes. him as a right-handed batter hit Absolutely. that many home runs against sure. righties? Like uh, he wasn't just dependent on mashing against lefties. OPS against righties, 939. OPS against lefties, 869. All right. So that's not bad. All right, here's what we have for the projection, right? Sure. According to Steamer on Fangraphs, 257 batting average, 35 home runs, 87 runs scored, 96 RBI. Which makes him a what pick? Where should he go with those numbers? So Lair right now is going to pick 87. I like it. I like it a lot. I'm going to throw something out there here, Greg. I'm sure you are. Giancarlo Stanton's ADP is 54. Okay. So Lair, I know you hate Stanton. Is 87. You're getting Soler 30 picks later than you're getting Giancarlo Stanton. Who didn't play last year. Who did not play. And mind you, if Giancarlo Stanton did play, he probably would be a second, maybe third-round pick at the latest. Sure. What's the difference between Giancarlo Stanton and Jorge Soler this year? I got nothing, man. I'm not, like, surprised. That's the name, you know? It's the name. Yeah. It's the Yankee thing. Like, look, if Stanton stays healthy for a whole season, which is, like, a massive if at this sure. point, in Yankee Stadium with that, ball, with that ballpark, with that lineup, there's no doubt in my mind he can hit 50 home runs. He can drive in like 150. But you need a lot of things to go right. And that's like his 99th percentile outcome. Yeah, I'm, I'm Jorge told, Soler literally I'm just had a massive season where all the batted ball data really backs up what he did. And he got better in the second half. Speaking of players that got better in the second half of the year, when I was kind of doing the research for this yesterday, I found out that Kyle Schorber was good. And I, I, <laughs> I, I did not know that. Like, all right, I knew that Jorge Soler and Eusebio Suarez and Pete Alonso had these, like, breakout years. But all I remember was, like, Kyle Schorber, like, really being awful. I know he lost all this weight, but I thought he stunk. And then, little did I know, when I looked at Kyle Schorber's numbers at the end of last year, there Kyle Schorber was with 38 home runs, with 82 runs scored, with 92 RBI. Where did that come from? Yeah, he look, he had a massive, massive second half here, Greg. Um, 20 home runs in the second half specifically, up that batting average to 280, a 631 slug in the second half, a 997 OPS uh, as well. I mean, he, he was phenomenal here in the second half. And this is the upside that we thought Kyle Schwarber had. Really finally put it all together here, Greg. And we were spoke, uh, speaking throughout the break. And I said, the best format to own Kyle Schwarber in is a head-to-head categories 
daily format where you have some kind of walk rate, walks, OPS as a category as well, because I still don't trust what he is going to do against left-handed pitching. Last year, I heard someone say that he got better against lefties. I mean, maybe he did based on where he was in the past. He still wasn't good. 255, 900 OPS against righties, 229 batting average, 756 OPS against lefties. So he still wasn't great against lefties. And that's some of the concern that I would have. Again, I look at splits a lot, especially for left-handed batters. And this is something that will kind of deter me away. I think there's a lot a lot of what Kyle Schwarber did last year uh, is believable because, again, you have the stat cast and uh, the hard hit rate numbers that really back up what he did last season. But you always kind of have that sliver of doubt if whether or not he's going to play against lefties, he's going to struggle against lefties, that's going to pull some of his overall numbers down. Uh, and because of that, like he's not going at a bad value right now, Greg. He's going at pick 148, but... Someone else we're going to talk about, Fran Mil Reyes, is going in a similar range as this. I know that Fran Mil Reyes is going to play every single day. I don't really have as many concerns about Are that. Are you sure? I, I am sure. I mean, I think, you know, Keep a saying that. 25-year-old, I don't think, like, Domingo Santana is going to take any playing time away from Fran Mil Reyes, who came, know, came in on a one-year, $1 million contract. Uh, I think Kyle Schwarber's fine, but I think for the right format. Like, I think he's better for a head-to-head points league. Because of his walk rates, here's my question. He's better in a daily format where he might get benched against left-handed pitchers. Here's my question with Kyle Schwarber. Yep. And we didn't know. We never knew the answer with Joe Madden. Now Joe Madden's not there with Chicago. If you look at where Kyle Schwarber batted more than any spot in the order last year, it was leadoff. Is David Ross going to bat Kyle Schwarber leadoff this year? I don't know. I I have no idea. Is is he going to feel a need to bench Kyle Schwarber against lefties this year to move all these players around like we know Joe Madden likes to do? I don't know. None of us can know because David Ross has never been a manager in the major leagues. We don't know his tendencies. And I think a lot is going to change in Chicago this year with a lot of this position flexibility we're so used to seeing from uh, Joe Madden. I think a lot is going to be different. And I think Kyle Schwarber is one of those kind of guys where you may not, you may see him playing against lefties, but maybe he's a middle-of-the-order bat now. He's not a leadoff hitter anymore and he doesn't get as many chances. I don't know. Here's what I will say about Kyle Schwarber, right? Just going back to uh, what he did in terms of hitting home runs last year, his home run to fly ball rate, 24.1%. Yep. It's basically in line with his career, Greg. Yep. He's a 24.2% home run to fly ball rate in his career. His hard hit rate went up last year. He always puts the ball in the air. His fly ball rate was over 40%. Shout out to our guy, Michael Florio, who dubbed this the 40-40 club. 40% hard hit rate plus 40% fly ball rate. Kyle Schwarber met both of those marks last year. Like, there's nothing that stands out that is unattainable for him to repeat. He lowered the strikeouts last year as well, and based on his plate discipline, the swinging strike rate got marginally better. So maybe he strikes out a little bit more this year, lowered the batting average to like a 240, 245. You expect something like that. But the biggest thing for me was he stayed healthy. He played 155 games. He maintained the same home run to fly ball rate that he always did. He just stayed healthy. And he was able to put that together for 38 home runs. I think he can come close to hitting 35 home runs again. So you were saying Juice Ball was not no, no. Kyle Schwarber's success? No, not at all. I think he just stayed healthy, finally put it all together. He was able to play, you know, regularly for the first time maybe ever. Wasn't great against lefties still, and I, I do have some concern over that. But if he stays healthy, health is the biggest aspect for him, Greg. If he stays yeah. healthy, he'll come close to hitting 35 home runs. The thing is, I don't see him getting much better than this, right? 
Like, this is basically the player who he Prime is. of his career. Like, nothing else has... 27 years old next month. ...really, like, improved drastically. It's My question isn't just about health. It's about the ability to play every day. We'll see if David Ross has him in the lineup every day. You mentioned Fran Mill Reyes. I know you're excited to talk about Reyes, so let's do that when we come back. We'll get into Fran Mill Reyes. My concerns about him, his ground ball percentage, and his playing time. We'll see it when we come back on the BFFs. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Back here, BFFs. I want to get right back into this, Frank, because I know we only have about 12 minutes left. We're all coast to coast coming your way next. Fran Reyes is one of your guys this year, as I've kind of discovered. Right? So, Fran Reyes, last season, split time between San Diego and Cleveland. He finished with 37 home runs, 69 runs scored, 81 ribbies. Struck out a lot, 28.5%, 8.6% walk rate. He averaged about 250 or so. Obviously, as I mentioned, didn't walk very much. You're in on Framil Reyes this year. How come? Why not, Craig? There's a bunch of reasons to be in on Framil Reyes. Just 24 years old. Uh, will turn 25 in season. And you just look at the guy, Greg. He's built like a beast. This guy's a mammoth. He is a monster among men here, Greg. And, and the batting average did dip. 280 in 2018 to 249 uh, in 2019, but there are reasons for optimism, and I'll touch on that a little bit later on. He wound up hitting 37 home runs, 81 RBIs, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Uh, Over the past two seasons, Greg, his 46.2% hard contact rate ranks 15th in all of baseball among hitters with 750, at least 750 plate appearances. He does hit too many ground balls. You're right about this, but he's trending in the right direction, Greg. If you look at 2018 versus 2019, lowered his ground ball rate by 5%. He raised his launch angle, his average launch angle, by 2.7 degrees. He is, you know, it's not happening right away. He's not lowering it by 10% at a time, but it's being lowered. And I think we're going to continue to go down that route. Now, if it goes back the other way, uh, then we could be in for some trouble here when it comes to Framil Reyes. But the fact that he, you know, has consciously improve that launch angle from year over year, I do think that we could see even more improvements in 2020 as well. I'll mention the hard contact, Greg. Mm -hmm. 93.3 miles per hour, average exit velocity. That ranked fourth in all of baseball. Again, we like Jorge Soler, who ranked 10th in baseball. Fran Reyes was fourth in all of baseball behind only Aaron Judge, Miguel Sano, and Nelson Cruz. The positive regression in terms of the batting average, Greg, he had 249. His expected batting average was 264. So that could bounce back a little bit as well. Sure. He strikes out a lot, but so do, so does Aaron Judge. Sure. So does a Pete Alonso. Everybody does. And there's going to be volatility in the batting average, right? I used to always say this about Chris Davis with a C. One year he would hit 260. The next year he would hit 190. Mm-hmm. Because when you stri- strike out around 30% or more, your batting average, there's just so much room for volatility like, yes, these guys hit the ball extremely hard, and that's why they're going to have high BABIPs, and, and the batting average is going to fluctuate. But 
you know, if he can ever lower that strikeout rate, and I'm not expecting that to happen, uh, we would see the batting average climb even more. But based on the expected batting average on StatCast, I think that 260, 35 home runs, around 80 runs scored, 90 RBI, I think that that's a fair projection for Fran Mill Reyes this upcoming season, and the upside to be even better if that ground ball rate continues to drop like it has been doing, Greg, and he continues to raise that launch angle. Randall Reyes is a big man to play at the outfield. I know you want him to DH, mostly. Yeah, which he will. All right. He's built for the American League. I mean, that's part of the reason why the Padres Padres basically gave him up for nothing. Yes. We saw that trade last year. We're like, what are they doing? Right. They're giving up this guy who could hit 40 home runs for basically nothing. Just 20, he'll be just 25 years old in July. So room... Room to continue to grow, bring down, yeah. bring down the ground ball rate a bit, up the wall, up his own walk rate here. Maybe I get it. Here's I, the thing: like the based on the players that we talk about who hit the ball as hard as Fran Mil Reyes does, right? Like yep. that, those top five, top ten guys. Sure, they're all going in Aaron Judge third round, right? Nelson Cruz, a top six, seven round player. Sure. Uh, Miguel Sano, everyone's excited about. He goes about 30, 40 picks higher than a Fran Mill Reyes this season. Well, maybe I'll have to talk you about into that one as well. God. <laughs> I'm not sure I have Fran Mill Reyes late. I just hate, you know, he just strikes out so much. He does. So But that's much. even, like, that's... Do you like Aaron Judge? I always like Aaron Judge. He strikes out less than Aaron Judge. Maybe I shouldn't like Aaron Judge. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> yes, you're telling me. I shouldn't like Aaron Judge. That f- I just get nervous with guys over 30% strikeout. That's what it is. The, he's not over 30. He's like at 28, right? With the Indians, he's at 32 and a half. Okay. Yeah. Look, well, he's adjusting to the American League. It was his first time. <laughs> Look. First time going through the league. Yeah, first time going through the league. You know, he's <laughs> making his way around. Like, whatever you can bring up, Greg, I got an excuse for Fred Mill Reyes. You're in Don't Fred you worry. Reyes. You mentioned Aaron Judge. Let's talk about Aaron Judge's teammate here for a moment, Gleyber Torres. Because Torres burst onto the scene last year uh, was, along with DJ LeMahieu, the MVP for the Yankees most of the season, a young player that everybody wants a piece of this year. And you're kind of questioning that. Yeah, so Gleyber Torres, look, he had a great year last year, wound up hitting 278, 38 home runs, 96 runs scored, 90 RBI, and he's likely going to bat finally in the middle of this lineup consistently for the New York Yankees, and he made improvements. He lowered his K percentage about four percentage points from 2018 to 2019. And let's not forget, He's still just 23 years old. So he's someone that is improving year in and year out. You look at the batted ball data, the fly ball rate, basically the same, around 42% both years. The home run to fly ball ratio, it climbed from 17.9% as a rookie to 21.5% in his second season. Hard hit rate, not up there like with some of these other guys, like the Fran Mill Reyes's and, and the Pete Alonzo's. Hard hit rate. 39.7% in in 2019, Greg. Here's what I'll say about Gleyber Torres. I don't think that anything that he did last year is unsustainable. Okay. I think that you see the slight spike in home run to fly ball ratio, about three, four percentage points. I think that's natural for someone sure. who's just maturing as a hitter and, and getting bigger and getting stronger and getting older. Yeah. I think the reason why most people think that Gleyber Torres is overvalued, and why I think so as well, is based on just where he's going, right? It seems like you have to pay that Yankees tax for where Gleyber Torres is going right now in NFBC drafts. And in the month of February... 28th overall. That's that's a big price to pay. I mean, you're talking about a mid-third-round pick and a 12-teamer. 
a late second round pick in a 15 team league and you're passing on at that point you're passing on players that have done it for longer you know guys that can also give you speed too like a Starling Marte Javier Baez who's who's done it longer than a Glaber Torres you're passing on players at that range someone like an Austin Meadows who Probably profiles similar to a... I would take Gleyber Torres overall. Than a Gleyber Torres. I'll, I'll take Gleyber Torres. Xander Bogarts has done it for longer. I'll take Gleyber Torres. It depends what you want as well. But Xander Bogarts is going to hit over 300. Gleyber Torres is not. That's what I'm saying. You look yeah. at, But Gleyber Torres is going to have more power, theoretically, than Xander Bogarts is. Probably. I mean, That's Bogarts what hit, what, 35 home runs a last year? A lot of home runs. A lot of home runs. We probably should have put him on this list, too, right? Like, did, did Xander Bogarts sure. get, uh, get helped out by the juice ball last year? Sure. I like Glaber. I just like getting stolen bases early this part of the draft. And you also in the third like round. it from your middle infielders, too. Yes. So, like, you pass on an Ozzy Albies in this range who's going to be a 2020 hitter, hit 280 to 290. homers for Xander, by the way. Yeah. So. The average was nuts, though. The, the average was ridiculous. And he's someone who's basically coming into his own, too, right? Like, Xander Bogarts is in the prime of his career. I just think that you have to pay a little bit of a tax this year on Glaber Torres based on where he's going for someone who's not a plus contributor in batting average. He's not a contributor in stolen bases. He's going to probably hit 35 to 40 home runs. And if he continues to get better, like going on the track that he is in terms of progression, then maybe he will hit 40 home runs. And in the, in the middle of the Yankees order, give you 120 RBIs. If he does that, he's probably worth where he's being drafted. That's a similar projection to Pete Alonso, except he's probably going to hit 25 to 30 points better than Pete Alonso. But you can't really... How much can you bake that into his uh, projection? You know, Greg? Like, how much are you projecting him to progress and become a better player and hit for more power? I don't think you can get more power out of him. Right. I think what you're seeing at 38 home runs last year with the home run to fly ball ratio where it was, which doesn't seem unruly. Same with the hard hit percentage. It doesn't seem crazy. I think everyone, as you mentioned, all the numbers kind of seem to make sense. He's going to be a great three-category player. Can't he, can the average be better? Can't he be can better? Can it, though? I think so. Yes. 271 his first season, 278 last year. Right. The you, Babbitt dropped a little bit from his rookie season. You don't think... So he, you think he could be like, what, a 285 hitter? Yes. Yes. I, I guess, it, it, look, it's in the range of outcomes that's for not, sure. I don't think that's... Like for someone who's 23 ass. years old, yeah. to answer your question, yes. That is definitely possible. So you look at Steamer, and I know we had the projections up a few moments ago. But, 30, but if he gives you these numbers, 270, 34 homers... 80-plus runs scored, 90-plus uh, RBIs. You need more. You need more. You need more. All, across, steamer, all across the board. Steamer typically projects, projects conservatively. conservatively, yes. But I'll say the um, ATC projections, same thing. Yeah. You need more. If you think there is room to improve 23 years old for Glaber, and the power stays where it is, maybe hitting the middle of the order all year, it's a few more RBI, the runs stay the where they are, uh, the average comes up a little bit, I have no issue taking them there. I really don't. But you need more than what the projections state. That's exactly right. And, and the thing is, look, when it comes to projections, projections basically bake in what you've done over your last three, the three years of your career. Yep. And maybe they take into account if you don't have a three-year career, maybe some of what you did in the minor leagues. And, and this is what they come up with. Most projection systems, Greg, don't bake in a 23-year-old player just getting better for the sake of it. Does that mean that it can't happen? Absolutely not. There's definitely a chance that Glaber Torres can get better this year. And if he comes anywhere close to what you think can happen, Greg, which is not out of the realm of possibility, if he hits 280, 285 with 40 home runs and 100, 120 ribbies, 
then he's going to pay off where he's being drafted Absolutely. right now. But if he hits 275, gives you nothing in stolen bases, and is a very good three-category contributor, then he probably doesn't pay off where he's going in the early third-round range right now. You'd rather take Xander Bogarts potentially around later, using that example. 30, sure. 36 is Xander Bogarts' current ADP. Uh, Glaber Torres, as we said, is 28, and they're not... That dissimilar, obviously. All right, tomorrow on the show, we have a couple more guys we wanted to talk about. I'll add Xander Bogarts into the list so we can get deeper into there. I'll talk about Trey Mancini tomorrow. I want to talk about Max Kepler tomorrow as well. Who? Like Kepler? Kepler? Max Kepler? Talk about him tomorrow as well. Uh, Frail Coast to Coast is next. I want to thank Sean Guasamaki, Alex Pisano downstairs. Have a great night, everybody. For Frank Stample, I am Greg Sussman. We'll do it all again tomorrow. We, we hope. hope. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid.